You're listening to Inside North Central Massachusetts, powered by the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce. I'm your host, Travis Condon, the Chamber's Public Affairs Manager, and we're joined today by Senator for the Worcester and Middlesex Districts, John Cronin. Senator, thank you for being here with us today. We really appreciate it. Travis, so good to be with you again. So you're just about halfway into your freshman term now as a legislator. How does it feel? Um, it, you know, it's been everything I hoped it would be. Um, it, it's such a privilege to be able to represent 11 cities and towns here in North Central Massachusetts. And it's something different coming across your desk every day. And the, what's most gratifying is I, I do believe we're able to, to make an impact and make strides uh, on the issues that we talked about during our campaign. And so it, it's good to be in a place where you feel you can have an impact and do important work. Uh, and help people, and it's it's as simple as that. Now let's talk about the region's delegation, because from what I gather, it seems like the North Central Massachusetts delegation seems to be really tight-knit. Uh, would you say it's a fair assessment? Absolutely. I think um, the thing we talk about all the time together is that we're stronger together. And, um, you know, I, I think the delegation is young, and we know it's important, and we can be most impactful if we're rowing together. Um, and so everybody gets along personally, but we're, we're also working uh, on transportation, on workforce, uh, on funding for public schools uh, together every day. And we know that uh, if we don't go to Beacon Hill and speak with one voice for the region, we're going to be ineffective. So uh, I think it's important. I think we've got a great group of uh, young legislators, uh, and, and it's exciting to get to work with them every day. While campaigning, you had a set of priorities. You briefly touched on those at the beginning of our conversation. Have those priorities changed or adjusted after you've been meeting with constituents and other local organizations and officials? I really don't think so. I think the vision that we talked about during the campaign, and this is something that I'm proud of, but was a vision that was really built from having those conversations with people in the region. Uh, and, And I'll talk about workforce development, which is something that we talked about during the campaign i i believe we've we've really been able to make critical strides um to meet the needs of the region in in only a few short months and i'm excited about what we've done so far but also where we're going in the future the first thing that uh, i'll touch on is the career technical initiative which was Mm -hmm. a a amendment i sponsored in the fiscal year 22 budget um but it's to turn our trade schools towards a three-shift model, and that's not happening right now across the Commonwealth. And to paint the picture of the problem, right, we've got wait lists um, that for thousands of high school students trying to get into our, our trade schools, um, and we've got a workforce that's eager for skilled labor to, to join the labor pool. Um, so we know we have this problem, and we knew we need to increase capacity for vocational school training. And what we were able to fund in the fiscal year 22 budget um, was, again, this this vision for the trade schools that exist to adopt a three-shift model, where uh, a second shift of high school students who don't attend, say, Money Tech during the day are able to come and learn a skilled trade in the afternoon. And then from 5 to 8 p.m. to use the building and all the resources and incredible equipment that our Vogue schools have for adult retraining. Uh, mm-hmm. And the big picture is this. We've got, over the next 10 years, approximately 400,000 people are going to be displaced. And that's, one, due to the pandemic, but it's also due to the way that the way people work is changing, right, because of technology, because of automation. Um, and so we 
you're going to need to train between 30 and 40,000 people, retrain adults between 30 and 40,000 people a year um, to meet the needs of our workforce. And, and that is a, the scale of that problem is bigger than it's uh, been and it requires increased capacity. So I'm really excited about that. The second thing I touch on too is uh, innovation pathways. Uh, innovation pathways was a privately funded model in our public schools um, in an innovation pathway for advanced manufacturing uh, exists at Fitchburg High School today. It exists at Gardner High School today. Uh, and what they are the, is they are programs in comprehensive high schools that teach uh, a trade to kids who aren't at Money Tech, right? It's, it's kids who are Fitchburg Red Raiders or Gardner Wildcats. Um, and they get classroom instruction on advanced manufacturing. And then they're also able to go out and partner with local industry and get work-based learning experience um, with some of the biggest employers in the region. Uh, and one thing I'm really proud of that we were able to do in this year's budget was for the first time uh, get a dedicated line item in the budget to fund that program. And that's uh, an amendment that I sponsored uh, that was passed uh, as the set through the Senate and then through the House and signed by the governor. And it also increased funding for those programs by $600,000, which means 15 mm -hmm. new high schools in the Commonwealth are going to be able to stand up those programs. And that's something that uh, we talked about during the campaign. We worked with the chair of Ways and Means uh, in the Senate on. Uh, we had great partnership in the House from representatives Kashmerik, Zlotnik, Kilcoin, Higgins, uh, and something that the governor signed and, and that we're very excited about. And those are the models and the partnerships that we need to double down on, expand, uh, and create opportunity for kids in the region. So very excited about that. And as you talk about that, that legislation, I think of how it fits into our One North Central Regional Economic Development Plan, which we recently released. And one of the things that was brought up in that plan was the aging workforce. And when you talk about the career technical institutes and, and getting these kids training, are we still going to have to do more to combat the amount of people that are retiring? I mean, you've got so many baby boomers every year that are leaving the workforce. Um, you've got others that are just deciding, hey, with the pandemic and everything, I don't think I'm going to come back. So what else needs to be done to combat that aging workforce besides investing in these uh, CTIs that you're talking about? So I think it's um, this is where the problems become local really quick, right? And I think the best thing we can do is go around a local industry, and we know who these people are, right? I mean, it's AIS and Lemonster. It's Jable and Clinton. Um, there's so many. We've got such a strong foundation of advanced manufacturing, and they've got very specific needs. Um, so the answer, I believe, is, is local coordination to get kids at our trade schools and in our comprehensive high schools pathways to the employers who are who are offering good-paying jobs, right? And they need a skilled labor force, and are going to provide a a great quality of life for young people to, to raise a family, to stay and live and work and, and prosper here in North Central. Um, but more absolutely needs to be done. I think we are in a, a historic time for workforce development. Uh, and I'm excited to say that more is being done now than at any time in recent memory. Uh, Governor Baker's proposed $240 million for federal ARPA funding for workforce development. Um, and, and look, Everybody that we talk to, and I don't care what field it is, uh, whether it's health and human services, whether it's um, the age of our, our teaching force in public schools, whether it's mental health professionals, whether it is uh, machinists, we, we need uh, more pathways to teach young people skills um, 
and, and that's imperative to the economic vibrancy and success of, of our, our future here in North Central. So we've got a plan, we've got the resources, but at the end of the day, um, you can have all the resources in the world that's going to rely upon relationships and local coordination between the legislator, the legislature, our Vogue schools, our comprehensive high schools, local industry, um, and, and that coordination is happening right now. When we talk about coordination, that was one of the things that we looked at with our One North Central Regional Economic Development Plan. In fact, that we held multiple discussions with local and area officials. How important was it for you to be a part of those discussions? I know we met with you during the research for this and, and after we first published it. Well, I'm just so grateful to the Chamber for its leadership on this. Um, I think what we all know is that if we're going to be successful and we're going to have uh, a a real impact. We all need to be rowing in the same direction. So again, I'm so grateful for the chamber for for starting out with the listening tour, for having input through the process, and then really for creating that shared vision of what our future here in North Central is going to look like. Uh, and I think it's incumbent upon all the stakeholders, right, whether it's the chamber, local industry, uh, local officials, uh, our partners in the legislature, to really buy in uh, and the plan and the blueprint is there and we need to, to support it. And we uh, need to, again, row in the same direction to make it successful. I think specifically what I took from the plan is where we need to double down on success. And we've got this great base of advanced manufacturing, but also, you know, the way people shop and retail is, is changing and it's going to be forever change with the advent of Amazon and, uh, and online retail shopping. And North Central Massachusetts also has the ability to become a logistics hub. So to support that workforce, but also to support that commercial development, I think is something that's critical for, again, industry, local officials, partners in the legislature, our, partner, our partners in the federal delegation to all uh, have a hand in and be a part of. And we can't do that and we can't have that shared vision without the chamber's work to create the One North Central plan. And you mentioned advanced manufacturing and logistics and distribution. I know tourism and small business and healthcare were uh, two other industries that the, the report really focuses on as some areas for opportunity. But I want to get back to logistics and distribution. Uh, we conducted a SWOT analysis in this report. And one of the things that highlighted was the fact that we are at a kind of prime location in north central Massachusetts, easy to get to most areas in New England, easy highway access. But the problem is once you get on some of those highways, then you run into some problems when you look at congestion on Route 2 and things like that. If we are going to seek to be a uh, logistics and distribution hub, are we going to need to really invest in some of the roads and other infrastructure to make that capacity possible? Absolutely. And it, it's not rocket surgery, right, as I like to say. Um, there are developers, commercial developers, who are looking here in North Central, in the region right now, to invest hundreds of millions of dollars in logistics centers and operations hubs. Um, and so what we need to do is to make sure specifically the exits off, off Route 2 can handle um, those logistical burdens and requirements. And that's going to take investment. Um, and I can tell you that coordination is happening right now. We're putting those projects on the transportation uh, improvement plan, the TIP, and we're looking and working with federal partners for federal stimulus money to be able to meet those needs and make sure that we're setting the conditions for that logistics and distribution hub to occur here and to make sure that we're doing everything we can to encourage and spur that private investment. That's going to create hundreds and hundreds of jobs here in North Central, too. 
And in order for big projects like this to become successful, there has to be a will, but there also has to be money. Uh, we did recently see the U.S. Senate pass an infrastructure bill that would, if it's agreed upon by the House, include billions of dollars for rail and other infrastructure improvements. With all the developments that we're seeing in the Fitchburg region, all the mixed-use housing that's going to be coming online in the downtown area over the next few years, talk of developments in other communities. Um, do you think that if that money comes down, there would be a will to pass something to increase rail access to communities in North Central Massachusetts to make it easier for the influx of folks who might be moving to some of these newer housing developments? I do, absolutely, right? And I think one of the things that's going to play out over the next couple of months is we're really going to understand how the way people that worked uh, specifically in 21st century jobs has changed and changed permanently. And I think people are, what we're going to have is, we can see coming, right? People are going to have flexible work schedules where maybe they go into an office in the seaport or back bay two or three times a week. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, that commute on a commuter rail from Fitchburg or Lemonster is a lot more palatable if you're making it into Boston two or three times a week instead of five times a week. Um, and so because the cost of living down here is so much lower than it is 30 miles to our east or even 20 miles to our east, 10 miles to our east, this is really going to be an attractive place to live, work, and raise a family. Uh, and so I think one of the things that uh, is going to happen as we come out of the pandemic is, you know, we are confronting a huge opportunity and we need to meet the moment and make sure that we're doing everything we can to uh, make people want to live and work here. And I think the best thing we can do is invest in our downtowns. So if you drive through downtown Lemonster right now, I think it is so exciting. Uh, we've got, I think, what is it, four or five new restaurants and bars coming online, whether it's Brady's or The Fix um, or Tim's Diner. I mean, it, it is a vibrant downtown community. And that's what I think young professionals want. That's where they want to live. That's where, um, you know, they want to be where the action is. Uh, especially if they're in a position where they're working remote or hybrid. And I think the best investment that we can make uh, in f is to make sure that we're revitalizing our downtown, specifically in gateway cities. And I think we've got an opportunity with the, the federal infrastructure uh, money and the ARPA funds that the state government and local government has received to really revitalize our downtowns. And I think uh, we've got the right leadership with our mayors in Gardner uh, and the mayor in Fitchburg to do that. And I have the chair of ways and means coming uh, from the Senate next week. And that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about how we can direct these funds to our downtown to create mixed use housing, uh, to make sure we're restoring historic buildings uh, and creating opportunities for, for people to come in and, and rent and live in our downtowns uh, and frequent restaurants. Uh, and I think specifically what excites me is the tourism, arts and culture vision for downtown Fitchburg. Um, I can tell you, Representative Kushmerick and myself, we're going to do everything we can to direct money to organizations like New View, uh, who, who rehabs historic buildings, turns it into beautiful um, housing opportunities. Those are the types of investments we need to make and investments in ourselves that are going to pay off in the long run. And again, you know, the state legislature right now is is working through how to spend four point seven approximately billion dollars. And that is a one time transformational opportunity to invest in ourselves. So it's a, it's a very exciting time to be in the legislature. 
Uh, and those are the discussions that we're having right now in terms of where the smartest places to invest are going to be. And can you tell us a little bit more about those plans? I know earlier the governor released a wish list for his uh, $2.9 billion of the ARPA funds coming to Massachusetts that he would like to see spent. You're working on discussions in the Senate. There's discussions working in the House side. How similar is this process to the state's budget process? I think it's it's the same in many ways, and it's it's different in uh, in as many ways. Um, what's same is that there are the same stakeholders at the table again fighting for their priorities. And I think the governor's proposal for the ARPA funds is really where the conversation starts. Um, but the legislature has the power of the purse, and, and we do have the ability to override the governor right now. So you're really going to see the legislature take a leadership role in uh, in directing those funds over certainly the rest of the summer into the fall and really throughout the next year. Um, the big picture is this. Massachusetts has already received $113 billion in federal funding, and that's through the PPP program, that's through direct payments um, and other, you know, healthcare reimbursements to stabilize our healthcare system. So we are sitting right now on less than $5 billion, and we're going to be really deliberate in the legislature about how we, how we use that to make transformational investments. We passed a $47 billion um, fiscal year 22 budget. And so we want to make sure that these are one-time projects, right? This is money that's not going to be here in five years to spend again. So again, the question to me is what are the best investments we can make in ourselves uh, in ourselves? And I think workforce is absolutely one of them. I think, um, revitalizing our downtown specifically in our gateway cities like Fitchburg, Leminster, Gardner is so critical. Um, and, and those are, I, I can tell you this, Travis, I am one of 200 voices in the legislature that those are the two places that I am trying to steer the, the conversation right now. And when you are trying to steer that conversation, how helpful is it to have uh, documents like our One North Central Regional Economic Development Plan to have that kind of by your side, those 150 pages that you can look through and, and, and cite? It's validation, right? It's it's These are not pie in the sky ideas. You know, these are things that every stakeholder in our community has ownership of and uh, is, is again, rowing in the same direction. So it's one thing for me to have a conversation with the Senate president or the chair of ways and means in the Senate about how I believe ARPA funds should be, should be spent. It's another thing when every member of the delegate delegation has a shared vision uh, for how to move the region forward. And, and we do, uh, we have that shared vision. We have the buy-in for that vision and it's due to the one North central plan. Uh, so it's absolutely critical and, and it's great timing for the chamber to step up to really provide that asset to the region. And when you look at the plan um, and we talk about kind of needing to find that regional voice, do you think that this is what is needed to create a regional voice, this One North Central plan, do you think that this could be the voice for the region for the next decade or so? Absolutely. I think um, I, I think it is the basis for which we should evaluate all the investments that we're advocating for in the legislature, all the investments. And, and again, whether it's Fitchburg or Lemonster or Gardner, they've received local um, funds through the American Rescue Plan that are one time and have the ability to be transformational. I think Lemonster received 14 million, Fitchburg received over $30 million. So this is a plan where if we make investments to meet the, again, set the conditions that we know we need, um, whether that's spurring commercial investment for logistics and distribution, whether it's investing in our workforce, um, whether it is, again, fulfilling the tourism, arts and culture, 
the promise of that vision, right? Through investments in things like the the theater block or the um, BF Brown Fitchburg Arts Community uh, in downtown Fitchburg. Uh, the One North Central plan, plan is absolutely the blueprint um, that, that is, should guide these decisions. And we should also grade ourselves over the next 10 years uh, and look to as a benchmark to measure progress. Now, earlier in our conversation, we talked about how tight-knit and how communicative you and the rest of your delegation are with one another. But I think one of the other things that's impressed me the most is seeing all of you new legislators has been just how embedded you seem to be in the community, meeting with folks multiple times a week, meeting with all different groups, individuals, and whatnot. How crucial is it for folks to contact their legislators um, if they have issues, to actually reach out and not be afraid to pick up the phone or send you an email? Absolutely. It's the most important thing. We we can't uh, advocate effectively for the region if we don't know what's going on on the ground. And we can't know what's going on on the ground unless people contact our office uh, or come up to us at an event. One of the things I really pride ourselves on in, in our office is, is our ability to get back to everybody who contacts us. Um, we can't do everything for everybody. We can't be everything to everybody, uh, but we can do everything we can for everybody who reaches out. And, um, you know, the spectrum of ways that we're able to, to help people is really my favorite part of the job. I can tell you in the past 24 hours, um, we've had constituents reach out for unemployment issues, housing issues, um, issues with the VA uh, and healthcare reimbursement, issues with traffic in their neighborhood. These are things that come across our plate every day and, you know, we're able to be responsive to um, in many cases. And frankly, it's the most gratifying part of the job. But anybody listening can can reach out to my office at john.cronin at masenate.gov uh, or call our, our office at any time. And um, again, that's something we pride ourselves in and um, work hard to to be really good and competent at. And you've also got several different offices throughout the district. I know Fitchburg, you've actually got two locations, one in the Armory, uh, one in City Hall. Can you tell us about the rest of your um, areas where people can actually meet with you face-to-face? Absolutely. So um, we're happy to do online uh, office hours or have a virtual meeting by request at any time. Um, our Armory office is on the second floor uh, of the Fitchburg Senior Center. And uh, Monday through Friday, we're available there to meet uh, for a walk-in. And then we also have an office down at the State House, um, where our legislative and budget director works out of and, and where I work out of when we're in session or in caucus in the Senate. Um, so that's our footprint really in the, in the region, in the district, uh, both in the district and uh, in Boston. Senator John Cronin, want to thank you so much for joining us today on the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast. It's always a pleasure chatting. Thanks, Travis. Talk to you again soon. You've been listening to Inside North Central Massachusetts. This podcast is produced by the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce. For more information on this episode, links to other episodes on Podbean, or if you have any questions, please visit northcentralmass.com.